Good to see everybody. Happy Sunday. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord together? Isn't it great to do? Come on, clap your hands one more time. Worship was amazing. Uh, my name is Travis. If it's your first time here, welcome and God bless you. We're honored that you'd come today on this Sunday. If you're joining us online, doing church from anywhere and everywhere, uh, you belong here. You're a part of our family, your extended family, all of our locations right here in the room, first time guests, neighbors, everybody that was invited today. Come on, clap your hands. Welcome your neighbors. Welcome our friends. Welcome to the Raw Church. Uh, today's gonna be a great day. I, I was talking with a friend of mine, Manny, just a moment ago during worship, and we're sitting there and we're talking, going, man, this is the place where things break off. When you walk in with whatever you're dealing with, anxiety, depression, anger, loneliness, there's someone here that walked in and you heard the enemy say, you're all alone in what you're dealing with. You are not alone. This is where loneliness breaks off. This is where all the shackles come off. When you come into God's house, everything changes. And so I hope you came in with that kind of expectation this morning, because I got a great word for you. It's from God. I studied all week. I can't wait to unleash it with you and to you and for you and for his glory. Um, but today, uh, a couple of things. One, we are ending, come on somebody, 21 days of prayer and fasting. It ends today. It is finished until next year. Um, we're going to be talking about community today and, and to kind of celebrate um, God's faithfulness and what he did in your life over those 21 days and to get you talking about community. And you'll learn a whole lot about that by the end of our time today in my message. Just to connect with people. Uh, we got churros from El Tigre. Come on, somebody. Who loves some churros for the church? Churros. Come on. And some of you are like, well, I don't end until 2 p.m. Listen, take it home. You do you, boo-boo. You do you. I'll do me by the churros. <laughs> We're gonna have the community room right out these doors, that big room out here that used to be the rock pile. We're gonna have prayer out there today. I'm gonna make my way after the message with some churros. I'd love to meet you and say hi and connect with you and just hang out and have a good conversation with some churros. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. amen. Um, our pastor has been challenging us as a church that every single person, and we have around 7,000 plus in person at all of our campuses, between the six of them, uh, and every person would lead just one person to Jesus. And I think it's an awesome, awesome challenge and goal because the old school style was that you invite your friends and let the man of God lead them to Christ. But it, it happens so much faster and we reach so many more people when we just say, let's equip you to reach people for Jesus. Come on, somebody. And so we wanna challenge you, just get one, just get one. In fact, we've been praying for all of these names and we can put the names up on the screen. We've been praying for the names that you've been giving us. And maybe as you're seeing the names going, wait a minute, what, is someone praying for me? Because that's my name, wait a minute. <laughs> but you've been giving us names of people and we've just been adding them and adding them and adding them. And these are the people that we've said we're praying for. If just one soul, just one person, maybe they're on that list, maybe they're not, would come to Jesus, it would be incredible, incredible. And we've been dripping the gospel to you because we want you to be equipped so you can reach just one for Jesus. And, and our pastor wrote sort of the why behind people need Jesus. He's calling it the gospel context. And so I wanna put that on the screen and we'll read it together and we're gonna be practicing this, just dripping the gospel. So let's put that up there, the gospel context. Let's say it on the count of three, starting with God. One, two, three. God created us in his image to live in a loving relationship with him. Pridefully, we rebelled against God and ruined the opportunity. And so as you're talking to people and they're 
they're going, why do I need this God? There is the why. Why? Because God designed you and me for relationship. But pridefully, we rebelled against God in our sin and our flesh, and we ruined that relationship. And there's more to the story, and that's where Jesus comes in. But we're dripping it so that you get it, and so we can reach the just ones. Come on, clap your hands for all those names, all the just ones, all the salvations that have happened because of uh, that heart, that posture. Um, uh, but today we are in week four of our series, The Year That Changed My Life. How many have been enjoying The Year That Changed My Life? Uh, first week was ownership. We challenge you. Listen, it, it, we're like Home Depot. You can do it. We can help. <laughs> it's on you to press in and to chase after God. And we want to do our very best to help you in that process. You got to take ownership of your faith. And then week two, we talked about prayer, that prayer can change everything. And prayer is our communication line with God. Everything changes in prayer. Last week, Pastor Miles unpacked the Bible. It's God's story. It's God's love story. Everything pointing to Jesus. That will change your life. And today, I'm going to talk about the year that community changed my life. So would you bow your heads? Let's pray together. We're going to pray for those just ones and pray for the message, and we'll jump in. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. This is your day. We're thankful that you invited us to be a part of your family uh, your community. We know that we have people that are guests here that don't know you yet. I pray by the end of the message, they will say, I want Jesus. I wanna be in this family. I wanna be in this community. And we also pray for all those names, all the just one names that we've been listing and thinking about. Lord, may they come to salvation this year for your glory and for the benefit of them and their family so they may know you and know this great community, our church, the Rock Church. We bless you in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. 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 Come on, girl. Uh, the other day I was walking my dog, it was at night, and I have a French bulldog, and so walking at day is not his vibe. He just, <laughs> he just passes out, and so we gotta go at night. So I walk him at night, and we'll do, we'll do a mile or so just around the neighborhood, and sometimes I'll be on my phone, I'm just you know, going through, through whatever. And uh, the other night we're walking, and my Frenchie just stopped. And I wasn't paying attention, I look up, and right in front of us was a, in my opinion, a giant werewolf, it was a coyote, could have been a werewolf. A big old coyote, 20 feet in front of us, took the corner and we met him there. But he didn't stop, my dog stopped. And here's what happened, because I had just been watching uh, Jurassic Park with my son. The first thing that went through my mind is don't move and the T-Rex won't see you. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not making this up. I don't, I've never encountered a coyote before, but I saw, and he, he was right there and he's walking to us. It didn't work. He, he stopped, I stopped, the coyote kept coming. And then, and then it happened so fast. Quickly, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I think if you see a bear, you're supposed to get big. And so I put my hands up and then and the coyote stopped. I said, okay, we're getting somewhere now. He stopped. And I remembered, I think for mountain lions, you, you clap your hands and you stomp your feet and make noise. Rawr. You know, I don't know. What would you make? What kind of sound would you make? You know? I don't know. Ooh, ooh, I don't know. What, what would you do? What would you do? <laughs> and the coyote turned and started to walk away. And then about 10 feet away from where he was, he stopped and turned back almost to say, if I wanted to take you out, I could. <laughs> and I know he was looking at my Frenchie like a juicy meatball because he's kind of short and stocky. And, and for a moment, I just thought to him and me, I said, listen, if one of us has to go, we should pray for your salvation because you're going to heaven. <laughs> you're seeing Jesus tonight. 
Here's why I tell you the story. God created us in a world that was meant and designed to be lived and experienced together in relationship with him and with one another. That's God's design. Create a world where we experience life together in relationship with him and with other people. God's plan is to have a family. We, we call it the body of Christ. We call it the church. It's God's community. Everybody say God's community. It's God's community. But God's design and plan has an adversary, Satan. And he's your enemy too. He's my enemy too. And Satan is what I like to call a community killer. And Satan uses community killers to take us out of God's best, to take us out of God's design, to take you out of God's purpose and plan for your life, to remove you from the very thing that he designed you for, God's family, his community. And not only is it Satan, but he, he uses things. In fact, the scriptures tell us in John 10, 10, that the enemy, the deceiver, the liar, the thief, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job, that's what he comes to do. But he uses community killers alongside that. Uh, one of them is gossip. And he uses gossip to take you out of relationship with people. You, you just talk, 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 so no one trusts you, they're all gone. He uses your bitterness and your anger inside. You're so angry and bitter that people can't even have a conversation with you because all you do is just spew bitterness and anger. He uses unforgiveness. That's a community killer that Satan uses in your life and you got unforgiveness and I can't restore that relationship because they better own up to their stuff and they don't even know what they did to me and, and you got community killer inside of you. He, he, he uses isolation. That's different than solitude with the Lord. He uses isolation. And there's somebody that walked in today and you're thinking, man, nobody saw me. Nobody said hi to me. They all said hi to them. And, but not me. I'm all alone. No, 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 no. You're not alone today. You're in God's house with God's family and his community. And he loves you and he sees you. And he hears your prayers. But the enemy, the community killer, wants to use the community killer that he calls isolation, and you just get all alone by myself. There's a community killer called sleepwalkers. That's my, my, my term for it. Sleepwalkers are people. Those are the people in your life that you shouldn't be around. The sleepwalkers are the people that, in, that are in your life, in a relationship with you, at work, at school, at home, and they look like they're awake, but they're walking through life asleep with no direction, no connection to God, just doing whatever happens this day happens. Whatever sin I want to do, it just, it just, there's no point to life. I'm just kind of sleepwalking through life. Look at what God's word says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts what? Good character. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And so my hope today is that you begin to think and identify who and what type of community killers are in my life that are corrupting my character and are pulling me away from God's plan and God's community. As I'm, I'm sharing today, I know you're, you're starting to think about the people in your life and some of you are thinking, well, well I have friends. I, I have people that I talk to. I have people in my network. I, I have family that I talk to. I have coworkers that know all my business. But listen, look up here. You were not made for all community. How many know that you weren't made for every community? Amen. You weren't made for even their community or their community or their community. You were made for God's community. You, you were made for something significant and, and, and special. God's community is the community that no matter what you're going through, points you to Jesus. 
That's God's community. That, that's why it, it's different. I lost my job. Listen, Jesus has a better one. I, I, I don't know how, where to apply for school. Did you ask Jesus? Listen, I, I broke up with my boyfriend. Listen, the only boyfriend you need right now is Jesus. That's what happens in God's community, that no matter what you go through, they point you to Jesus. And the year that changes your life, put that up there, will be the year that you decide to surround yourself with God's community. That'll be the year that changes your life. And you take personal ownership for your faith and say, I'm going to church every week. I'm getting around God's people. I'm getting in groups. I'm going to start serving. And, and here's, here's the main thing I want you to get today. If you take one thing, write this down. Write this down. The community that you surround yourself with today determines the quality of life you experience tomorrow. The community that you surround yourself with today, the people and the places that you get around today determine the quality of life that you experience tomorrow. I grew up with this. This is, this is, this is a, a 39-year-old message in, in, in my heart. It's been brewing every day going to school. My mom would say it this way, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I hated hearing it. I'm like, ugh, ugh. You always tell me that. Stop telling me that. But she told me that, and my father would reinforce it for a reason. Because the people you surround yourself with, the community that you surround yourself with today determine what happens tomorrow. There's a great story in, in the Bible about Moses and a couple of his friends. I want you to turn there with me in Exodus chapter 17. Exodus is the second book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. And Moses has just led the Israelites, God's holy nation, his chosen people, out of the hands of Pharaoh, and they are marching through the wilderness on their way to what would be known as the promised land. And while they're marching on their way, they get attacked for the very first time. And so Moses taps his, his guy, his assistant, the guy that would come up behind him, Joshua, and says, I want you to go and fight the Amalekites because we're being attacked. And this is how it starts in Exodus chapter 17. I'm going to read verses 8 through 13. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the what? The staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up. One on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Uh, it, here's why God's community is special. I, a few things that I want to pull from this story. And here's the first reason. God's community will make your fight their fight. That's what makes God's community special. They'll make whatever you're going through all of a sudden, exactly what they want to go through. They'll make your fight their fight. Exodus 17, verse 9, Moses says, Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, but Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Moses told Joshua, I'm going to the hill. 
I'm holding my hands up. And we don't know if Moses was on his way, but suddenly Moses is going and so are Aaron and her. Moses told Joshua, I'm gonna do this. I'm, I'm gonna go hold up the staff of God. But for whatever reason, Aaron and her, and maybe this is just par for the course, this is what they did. Maybe because they were God's people and they loved Moses, but suddenly they're marching up the hill with him even though they weren't invited. They said, your fight, Moses, is my fight. Look at, look at Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Some of you know that uh, my wife and I and our family, we had a, a death on Christmas morning, uh, a close cousin, and uh, we, we had the, the, the viewing a few weeks ago and I did part of the memorial service just last Friday. And um, it was amazing to see the response from the people in our community, the people that are closest to us um, specifically, I'm thinking of, of a few pastors and their families and uh, Santiago and Rebecca Ruiz and uh, Pastor Ty's wife, Nadej. Uh, they just showed up. I don't even know how they got the address. We were there. We pull up and I see Santi and his wife, Rebecca, and my mom is in their car. And I, I, all of a sudden, I'm feeling bad. Like, I, my bad. I should have picked you up. But she had got there earlier and, the, and, the, and the, the chapel was in a different area. And without me asking, they got there. They knew where it was at. They picked up my mom. They, they got there ahead. And as I'm leading the, the service, I see them in the room and they're asking, what, can we help with waters? And I see Ty's wife, Nadej, in the back. And the, the amount of outpouring that came and showed up, here's what they said. We're making your fight our fight. You're praying, we're praying. If you're gonna fast, then, then I'm gonna fast. If you're gonna, uh, if you're gonna mourn, then we're gonna mourn. Wherever you're going, I'm going. God's community isn't per per perfect because you're in it and so am I. But man, I love it and it's good because God's community says whatever you're going through, I wanna go through it with you. I wanna be around that type of community. It's important to know what community you're around because that will determine what happens in the future. Here's the second thing. God's community brings strength when you feel weak. God's community makes your fight their fight, and God's community brings strength when you feel weak. Look at verse 12 in our story. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands. Moses, you're tired, get a seat. I wanted you to keep your hands up. You're trying to do something for God. We see that. You're getting weak and tired. Come take this stone, sit on it. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you are doing. That's the goal of, of God's family. That's the goal when you come in and you, you see the type of person and you become the type of person that is, is one who builds up. You, you call people out and you call people up. You build them up with strength from the Lord when they don't have the strength to do it. Uh, um, uh, my, my, my buddy that works here, his name's Everett. He was showing me this the other day. This is not a stick of dynamite. That's what I keep hearing. Um, this is called the rip stick. Anybody? No? I didn't think so. That's okay. Um, there's an infomercial. I don't endorse it. It's super sideways, but uh, the, the rip stick is pretty hilarious because when I watch the infomercial, uh, there's a guy there, and I guess you just put rubber bands on it or something, and it's tension, and he says, you don't need the gym. You don't need calisthenics. You got the ripstick. You pull it and you press it. 
This is it. This is all the ripstick does right here. He says, you're burning that chest. Do you feel it? I'm like, I don't know if I feel it, bro. I don't know if I'm feeling anything right now. It's getting a little, a little bit dizzy. But other than that, he says, you want to do shoulders? You pull it and you press it. <laughs> My favorite one, though, is you see these guys. You just curl it. He's like, bro, I don't, I don't look tough at all doing this right now. I just feel, just feel strange. And then you, you can put more, more bands on the ripstick and add, add, add tension to it. Um, I've, I, I, I do work out on my own sometimes. I know what that's like. Um, but I need a gym partner. I need a gym partner because when I work out alone, uh, I start out great and then I get going and then all of a sudden uh, I'm, I'm looking for the, the perfect playlist that takes like at least 15 minutes. I've been here 15 minutes and I'm still looking for a playlist. Just going through, you know, 90s R&B, hip hop, clean version, because I'm a Christian. <laughs> then I see somebody I know, I got to pause the playlist and go say hi. And then, you know, you know I start looking through email and then I take an, an important call. Eventually, finally, I'll get to doing some kind of workout, do a couple sets, and then pain sets in. Right, the, the burn, the lactic acid start, 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 starts hitting me and, and I'm getting weak and tired. Why? Because I have small children and I don't sleep well sometimes because they want to get me up and they want to be in the bed and it's tough. I, I need somebody to help me out. Here, here, here's what I know. I'm not my best when I try to go through hard things by myself. And neither are you. We are designed to be in relationship with people when things are hard in your relationships and your job and your money and your struggles with sin and shame and sorrow. Life isn't a ripstick. You're not meant to just work things out by yourself. You are meant to be a part of a community, a community of believers that say, man, when things go hard, I'm pointing you to Jesus. I'm gonna bring strength in times of weakness. That's why I'm so thankful that we have groups that meet all throughout the county. I don't know if you know that, but you're gonna get a chance to connect with groups at the end and your pastor's gonna tell you about it. Our host pastor, Ty, here is gonna tell you how to do that and take a next step. But we have marriage groups, we have young adult groups, we have uh, men's groups, women's groups, we have student groups that meet all throughout the county and you can show up and you know what happens there? They pray for you. You pray for each other. You share your burdens. You say, listen, I've been going through this. I've been feeling all alone. And you find out, man, you're going through it too. Matter of fact, your story's kind of worse than mine. I'm feeling better already my first night I came. <laughs> I think I'm good. There's encouragement. Iron sharpens iron, and you start to encourage each other, and you build one another up. That's the community that I wanna be a part of. That's the community that we're trying to make here. That's the community that we wanna invite you to be in. Here's the third thing that God's community does. They make your fight their fight. They bring strength and times of weakness and God's community stays with you through every season. Stays with you. There's staying power that the people of God create. Uh, verse 12 in our story in Exodus 17, Aaron and her held his hands up one on one side one on the other, lean in for this, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. They stayed, they remained, they were steady until the day was completely over, until the battle was won. They didn't leave when things got stormy. They didn't leave when things got difficult. They didn't leave when the battle was being fought and, and, and arrows were being shot over the shoulders. They stayed. Not only did they stay, they kept Moses' hands steady. 
They remained. They didn't leave when it got painful or cold. Proverbs 18, verse 24 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Don't lift your hand, don't raise your hand, don't look at the person that's with you, but how many have had that person in your life? That the moment things got hard, they were gone. The moment the relationship got difficult, she left. The moment there was, there, there was something that happened, a disruption, a death, trauma, pain, a job loss, they were gone. They were there for the good times, they weren't there for the hard times. There, there's a, a Netflix documentary that I saw the other night, it was called Bitconned. And um, Bitcon was a story of these three high school friends and they were hustlers. They had a little hustle car, luxury car business, I think in Miami, somewhere in Florida. And they, they just got good at the hustle. They got good at the grind. They got good at uh, Photoshop and making fake websites. And it was during the Bitcoin craze in 2010, right at the peak of it. And they saw that there was a whole bunch of people getting Bitcoins and no way to turn that into cash. And they saw an opportunity and they tried to make this business and said, we're going to help you take your Bitcoin and turn it into cash. And they made fake credit cards. The whole thing was a con, Bitcoin. Well, everything fell apart and the friends, they turned on each other. They all pointed the finger at the other person and said, well, well it was his fault. And if you want to talk to somebody, you better talk to him. And if you want to get the money, you got to talk to him. And two of them went to prison. You've heard stitches get snitches unless there's a lot of riches, because they were like, I'm snitching on you, and I'm snitching on you, and I'm telling everybody about you. And, and they, they went to prison, and it was just a disaster situation. Uh, um, in God's community, we want to help you become the type of person that says, I will do life with you. I'm going to do life with you. I, I want to press through the mess. I'm not here for a good time. I'm here for a lifetime. I want to press through the hard stuff. I want to go with you when, when, you, when, your, when your husband died, when your wife passed, when, when you made the error and everyone left, I'm with you. Why? Because I'm different. I got God in my life and I'm a part of God's family and so are you. Things get hard. That's what God's community does. They make your fight their fight. They bring strength in times of weakness. Already forgot three. Stays with you through every season. Here's number four. Helps you cling to God's plan. God's community helps you cling to God's plan. I'm gonna bring out uh, Michael and, and my friend um, Josiah and Sophia. And Josiah, if you can grab that stool and place it here, and Michael, I'll have you grab that big staff there. In the story, and Sophia, you can stand on the other side of Josiah. In, in Exodus chapter four, we're in 17. In Exodus chapter four, God meets Moses and he looks at him before there's any ministry done. And he says, Moses, what is that in your hand? And in, 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 in chapter four, verse two, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. It's just a staff, it's a walking stick. It's something that I've had. Moses was a shepherd. It's just a staff. But then God would begin to invite Moses and tell him about things to come and how he wanted to use Moses to deliver his people out of the hands of Pharaoh and march him out of Egypt and take him to this promised land. And he would use this staff for great and mighty things. And so you fast forward about 18 verses in verse 20, and this is what it says. So Moses took his wife 
and his sons, he put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt and he took the staff of God in his hand. Don't miss it. Michael, I want you to put your hands above your head nice and high because this is Exodus 17, the story we've been in today. In Exodus 4, verse 2, God says, what's in your hand? He says, just my staff. Just been doing it on my own. It's no big deal. It's, it's not that hard. And in fact, this is what most people look like. Just my life, my way. It's not that big of a deal. It's kind of easy sometimes. I kind of float in and float out. It's my staff. But there's a point in your life when God invites you to be a, in relationship with Jesus and be a part of his family that has weight because there's power in the call on your life. There's power in the purpose that God has for your life, just like Moses. Because Moses' staff would turn into the Lord's staff, the staff of God. And this would be the staff that he would touch the Nile with and it would turn to blood. And this would be the staff that he would take and throw it on the ground. It became a snake. And when Pharaoh's magic guys did the same thing, the staff of God, that snake ate up all the other snakes. This is the same staff, the staff of God, that when the Israelites didn't have water and they're complaining and he goes, God, what am I going to do? And he says, take the, take the staff and hit the rock. And he hits the rock and water comes out. There's power in the assignment that's been placed on Moses and it came with weight. And so fast forward to Exodus 17 and he tells Joshua, go fight the Amalekites. We've never fought before, but take some men with you. And I'm going to go to the top of the hill. And I'm going to carry the weightiness of God's power and the calling that's on my life. And I'm going to hold it up. And as long as I hold it up, we will win. And then Aaron and her, not her, she, her was a, was a dude. That's Sophia. Moses goes up and Aaron and her go with him. And they're winning the battle, and they're winning the battle. But because the call of God, and the power of God, and the plans of God, and the purposes of God, and the potential of God on your life come with weight, he gets tired. And so they sit him down. Go ahead. And Aaron and her hold his hands, and they hold the staff, so that Moses could be postured in a place of victory so that God's plans can win out. Your future is a big deal. Your purpose is a big deal. You can't do it without God's family and God's community. I can't do it. I couldn't do it. Because the year that changed my life in the year that community changed my life was 2005. And Joey, you're 21. Excuse me, Josiah, my bad. <laughs> Sophia, you're 20, 19, 18. There we go. <laughs> Just keep going. Keep going. I knew it. I knew it. I want to ask you, Michael. <laughs> 52. 2005 was the year that community changed my life. A buddy and I, his name is Terrence, we found the Rock Church. We were looking for a place that had uh, young people, experienced people, um, different colors, shapes, sizes, backgrounds. I wanted to see a family. 
And so we found the Rock Church. We were meeting at Ruffin Road and we were in our early 20s. I was 22 years old, 23, something like that. We went to this young adult community group that was meeting before the service and we showed up a little bit late. We got there at 5.30, we found that it started at five and, and God blessed the person that was at the door. The guy that met us at the door said, ooh, you guys are kinda late or kinda full inside. Why don't you just come back next week? And he turned us away. And I know some of you, that's your story. Like I tried once, I gave it a shot. See God, it didn't work. But if we're gonna do the first week's message and take ownership, and I know everybody has to be like me or you're like them or she's like him or she's like her, but I wanna challenge you to say, don't be discouraged by one try or one effort because the best things are uphill and takes effort by the grace of God. And so we went back and we stayed and we stuck around and in that beautiful community is where I, went, I met some of my best friends. In that community is where I learned that God gave me gifts and talents and I finally had a place to use them for his glory, not for mine. It was in that community that I met my wife, Vanessa. There's someone just leading in ministry together. Come on, serve the house, find a spouse. That works. That works. It was in that community, in that group, that college community that I met the best man in my wedding. And that group of people began to hold my hands up spiritually because I said yes to God and I was in the family of God with the people of God and it became weighty. It was no longer easy. It took effort and it took God's community to help me do it. That was the year that changed my life. Look up here. This is the year for somebody that this community is gonna change your life. This is the year. This is the community. This is the place. This is the season. When you decide to get into God's community and say, listen, I understand that the community I surround myself with today will determine the quality of life that I experience tomorrow, everything changes. Make that decision today. When you lean into God's family, it's special. His community is beautiful. They'll say, you know what, I'm gonna make your fight my fight. I'm showing up for you. I'm gonna pray when you need prayer. I'm not gonna let you walk in alone, I'm going with you. If you're crying, I'm crying. If you're celebrating, I'm celebrating. I'm gonna make your fight my fight. They're gonna bring strength when you're feeling weak. When you go, I, I, can't, I can't keep going. I'm, I've been trying to be faithful in this dating relationship and do it God's way. I'm struggling to be pure. They're gonna say, listen, I, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna text you in the morning. I'm, I'm gonna call you before you go inside her apartment. I'm going to be with you afterwards. Call me afterwards. Let me know how. It went. I'm, I'm going to be here. You're feeling weak. I'm going to bring strength to you. I'm having a hard time. I, I got this addiction. I'm, I'm struggling. You know what? I'm going, to go to, I'm going to go there with you. I'm not going to just invite you to church. I'm going to invite you. And I'm, I'm going to sit next to you. We're going to be together. I'm going to bring strength in your weakest moments. I'm going to lean in to God's community. And you know what? I'm going to be there in every season. I'm not here for a good time. I will be here through a lifetime. I wanna do life with you. We're trying to create that environment for you and I know it's not easy. There are no perfect churches. There are no perfect people. But if you press in and keep going and keep showing up and keep raising your hand and keep asking God, he will do something far greater than you can ever ask or imagine him to do. It is glorious, it is amazing, it's incredible.
And these people will have you, you're getting tired, I know, I know. It's part of it. Josiah's got next service. He'll be the guy in the middle. Why don't you bow your heads, let's pray together. I mean, Father, thank you that we see it today. I think this story is, I'm so grateful for your word. Your word is so good. It just makes it so clear that we're not designed to live out a God purpose and a God calling all alone. We can't do it. And, and there are people that try to do things on their own, but we'll get tired. And if we're gonna step into the life that you've called us to, there's weight to it. And we need a community of believers, a community of Jesus followers to hold our hands up so that we can cling to your plan. So as everybody's heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, there's somebody that just needs to step into the family. You came for the first time, it's the first time in a long time and you're just not even sure. Am I even in the community? Am I even in the family? Have I really given my life to Jesus? Well, if you need to make that decision today, I want you to bow your heads, pray this with me in the quiet of your heart and just say, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've fallen short and I admit that I'm in need of a savior. But I believe that you love me. I believe that you died for me and I believe that I am welcome in your family, God's community today. I confess you right now as my Lord and my savior. Forgive my sin. Give me a new life. Give me a new purpose and a new plan. Holy Spirit, fill me up to overflowing. As everybody's heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer for whatever reason, I want you to raise your hand on when I count to three. It takes boldness, it takes courage, it takes strength, it takes humility to admit that I need a savior, but trust me, it is the greatest decision. If you made that decision on the count of three, lift your hand, one, two, three, hands go up right now all across the room. Awesome, 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 God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Lord, thank you for those hands. Thank you for those decisions. Thank you for your house, your family, your community. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. What a gift it is to be in your house with your people. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord, Rod Church. Come on.